Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Dallas Cowboys. This is the Cowboys Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Cowboys Wire editor, K.D. Drummond. is Alton Robinson to give Flowers and Griffin help. Prescott is able to stay up to the end zone. It is picked. Seahawks take over. And Ryan Neal just up from the practice squad. Man, Katie, I, I don't know what's more frustrating. The Cowboys continually getting themselves in these positions where they're playing from behind because of all these self-inflicted wounds or the fact that Dak Prescott's getting pressured by three-man rushes late in that game when the Seahawks are playing oh. like a prevent defense, right? I mean, that was just, that was terrible, man. Guys in his face with no rush and obviously no chance to really get that ball in the end zone at the end. But what's your what's your takeaway off a, off a tough Cowboys loss to the Seahawks on Sunday? Yeah, it's uh, it was a comedy of errors and it's one of those frustrating things where you're looking at a situation where the, you can either look at a glass half empty or a glass half full, but anyway, you slice up the Cowboys are one and two. They have a lot of talent. They've shown what that talent can do when they're in sync and when they're playing to the best of their abilities. But the question is, how often are they going to be able to do that? And with everything that happened in the offseason, a truncated offseason, no preseason games and all of that kind of stuff with the new staff, uh, new coaches in 2020 are right now five and ten. So everybody's basically averaging one and two, which is exactly where the Cowboys are. Mm. But the Cowboys have more talent than the other teams that change coaches. So you would expect a little bit better result. There's no shame in going into Seattle and losing to Russell Wilson, who was playing at an MVP level. There's no shame in any of that. But the miscues that the Cowboys had, the special teams, the blocking, as you mentioned, uh, blocking five on three and still getting pressure on two consecutive most crucial plays of the game from unheralded pass rushers. It's not even like Seattle has a stock of quality pass rushers. They're on their C team and they're not good in the first place. And they were still able to pressure Dak Prescott at the end of the game. So that was very frustrating to watch. Yeah. They were barely trying to sack Dak Prescott in that situation, right? They're just trying to like, yeah, they dropped that line. Yeah, exactly. But they're getting pressure and Dak had to like Superman to stay on his feet to throw that last pass, which was tough. I mean, for me, Katie, it's like, what do we know about this team? right now besides that Dak can throw it for 400 yards when they're playing from behind you know like that's that's what we've learned for these past few weeks like they're never out of a game we know that Right, but outside right. of that, what do we know? Here's, here's exactly what we know. We know Dak Prescott is a top five quarterback in the NFL this year. No that, there is no question about that. He already has 1,188 yards through three games. That's on pace for over 6,300 yards. The NFL record is 5,400 yards. That's so sweet. we already know how he's, he's playing at an incredible pace right now. He's not going to keep that up, clearly. But the pace right now puts him right now uh, projected to be 800 yards ahead of where Peyton Manning was back in 2013 in his phenomenal year in Denver. So that lets you know where he is. The Cowboys probably have the league's best set of wide receivers and that goes five deep it goes from Amari Cooper to Michael Gallup to CeeDee Lamb and now we saw the emergence of said of Cedric Wilson and last week we saw the emergence of Noah Brown even though his big play was negated by a penalty they they go five deep of players who can really change the game and I think yeah some of that is because everybody's paying attention to the other guys that Cedric Wilson and Noah Brown can have these big games but they're capable of filling in when needed but that's it 
We know that they're injured everywhere else. They're injured along the offensive line. It's an absolute shambles. We heard new news today from Jerry Jones that Lyle Collins, they have no idea when he's coming back at right tackle. Damn. We ended up seeing Zach Martin having to shift out to right tackle. His uh, He played tackle in college, has not played tackle for a snap in the pros. Six-time All-Pro, uh, you know, four times first team, two times second team All-Pro. He shifted out. They have no solution at left guard. They're still playing Connor Williams, who was basically the reason that they lost the game. The sack... The strip sack at the beginning of the second quarter, uh, sorry, beginning of the second half in the third quarter, that was Connor Williams' man. The sack at the end that put Dallas in their last-ditch efforts uh, when Alden Smith spun on undrafted free agent Brandon Knight playing left tackle in place of Teron Smith. Connor Williams had no idea he was supposed to be helping out with that guy. Complete disarray on the offensive line oh, right brutal. now. The yeah. secondary is in shambles. Secondary is horrible right now because they have nobody left after injuries to two of their top three corners and down the line, and they didn't address the safety position. So it's just we know where they're not good and we know where they are good. The question is, will there be some level of balancing act as the season progresses? Exactly, and, and a balance maybe even on offense like the run game, like Zeke, right? We got to get Zeke going. Like we're up for, mm. you know, I'm used to, I'm used to seeing the Cowboys. First of all, I'm used to seeing the Cowboys have a dominant offensive line, obviously. So that's different this year for me watching the team. But, right. you know, Zeke, they really can't get him going. He's only averaging 3.8 yards per carry, 73 yards. That's outside the top 10. That's not where Zeke should be, obviously. He's struggling a little bit in, with catching the football as well. You know, Dak's throwing the football a ton with, with them being playing catch up mode. And it would be nice if, for them to get like an identity game where maybe they can get a lead and run the football a little bit and give the ball to one of their best players, Zeke, and, and kind of control a game instead of, you know, getting down by 15, 18, 20 points and just slinging it all over the place trying to come back, you know? I mean, I would love to see, like, an identity moment for this team coming up. Yeah, it, it's a weird thing because the advanced stats tell you that it's much more fruitful to pass on first down. And that's what the Cowboys did in this game. They passed on first down. They passed on second down. They passed on third down. They passed on every down. <laughs> exactly. To begin the game, they started off with six straight passes. Ezekiel Elliott did not touch the ball. And in my estimation, this might just be my opinion, but in my estimation, that really threw off Zeke's timing. Sure. He was out of sync last week uh, with the two fumbles, so that – has something to do with it. He had the two fumbles early in the game, and then when they needed to calm themselves down against Atlanta, they did that by going through Zeke. He touched the ball on eight out of 11 touches on the touchdown drive that started to even things out and get them back in the game. But this game, he could find no rhythm. And it goes beyond just his inability to find running lanes because the Cowboys' strength has always been on the offensive line. They've always been a much better run-blocking team than a pass-protection team. The pass-protection has oftentimes fell on Dak Prescott to move around and buy himself some more time to find his receivers downfield but the running game has always been strong when it came to the Cowboys offensive line but with all these injuries lost Travis Frederick he retired Teron Smith only played in the first game no Lyle Collins Connor Williams just isn't good again they really don't have the push up front to create room for the running game mm. but in the passing game Zeke was still off they tried a couple screens for him they were ill-advised screens because they weren't going to go anywhere the way that Seattle was defending Seattle has probably the best linebacker pair in the league between KJ Wright and Bobby Wagner. They were well prepared for what the Cowboys wanted to do with Ezekiel Elliott, and the screen games were getting basically identified before snap. So even if he had caught those passes, they still weren't going to go anywhere, but he was he dropped like three different screen passes. It was really weird to see Ezekiel Elliott not on top of his game. And it goes along with the fact that, you know, short sample size, it's only been three games, 
coming into the game, Zeke was third in the league in rushing. Now he's outside of the top 10 because of how bad the game was. So, you know, those type of things swing back and forth Mm -hmm. early in the season. We'll get some more consistency as the year goes along. But yeah, it's the Cowboys are trying to find their rhythm. And it's weird because they're trying to find their rhythm averaging 29 points a game. So you can see the makings of how explosive this team could be. We talked about it in our preview shows. This is a 40-burger, 50-burger team. They're averaging 30 points a game right now. That's really, really good. But they have to get all the other pieces in place. And when the other pieces aren't in place, they can't afford the mistakes that they had. They can't afford two interceptions. Uh, They can't afford the fumble. They can't afford any of those type of things. And they certainly can't afford the special teams gas that have plagued them through the first three weeks of the season. Yes, and we could talk about Tony Pollard here coming up. Uh, You know, Katie just hit on it. They're turning it over on offense. They're not getting takeaways on D, and that's killing them. Right. We'll, We'll get into that coming up. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit them, start them. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends at a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com. Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about fantasy football strong plays for week four. At quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick of the Miami Dolphins faces a Seattle Seahawks defense that has allowed nearly a full game's worth of yardage more than the next closest team. Six passing touchdowns have come against this defense, plus two more on the ground, and Fitzpatrick has shown he can still move with his legs. Injuries to two cornerbacks and star safety Jamal Adams has Seattle's defense behind the curve. Devin Singletary should see the majority of carries again this week if Zach Moss isn't capable of playing. No team has given up more PPR points than the Las Vegas Raiders against running backs, fueled by six rushing scores and a receiving touchdown. If John Brown is out of the passing game for Buffalo this week, it's safe to assume we could see more Singletary in the short passing game. Sticking with that same matchup, Hunter Renfro emerged as the top target last week for Derek Carr. It's unclear how much Darren Waller's lack of production was due to the Patriots keying on him or a combination of that with his knee injury. Las Vegas should be without wide receivers Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards in this contest, and Buffalo is pretty strong against running backs. There should be a lot more passing in this one than John Gruden may want. And finally, Green Bay Packers tight end Robert Tanyan against the Atlanta Falcons. He's scoring consecutive games, and Atlanta has allowed the second most receptions, third most yards, and the eighth easiest touchdown scoring efficiency against tight ends so far in 2020. If Devontae Adams doesn't play again, it means Tanyan is likely to see an increase in looks. With Green Bay having a week five bye, they have no incentive to rush Adams back to the lineup. For more fantasy football tips and advice, Go check out thehuddle.com. Well, I mean, they were playing, you know, pure zone coverage, um, you know, and, and really just trying to get it done with the pass rush. And, you know, obviously at the beginning of the drive, we were able to get down there, you know, cleanly. But, uh, you know, it just, uh, you know, the pr- protection-wise, Dak, Dak had, had to move his feet on a cu- couple uh, couple uh, plays there. You know, and it came down to the, you know, really he made a, a tremendous play staying on his feet, uh, you know, for the last play to get the ball thrown into the end zone. So um, just, you know, execution, uh, particularly playing a little uphill that, at that spot. But we had, you know, we had the three timeouts. Um, you know, we'll be better next time for it. All right, Katie, obviously that's Mike McCarthy talking about the protection issues with Dak on the final drive, but there were protection issues all throughout the game. And, and I think back to, as you talked about earlier, that first play of the second half when the sideline reporter isn't even done her little uh, report, right? For, she's still talking, and the Cowboys are putting the football on the ground on the strip sack, and Seattle's walking in for another score. I mean, these turnovers have been brutal. And it seems like this issue with the defense not getting takeaways goes back maybe last year and years prior, right? That's been an ongoing issue for the team. How do they figure this out? How do they fix that? Because I think that's why they brought 
Mike McCarthy in, right, to kind of solve that issue. And so far, McCarthy keeps talking about it, but they haven't solved it. Yeah, it's been a longstanding problem. It goes back more than just a couple of years. It's basically been the last decade. The Cowboys haven't been able to create turnovers, and it doesn't matter who the defensive coordinator is. It carried on from Monty Kiffin the year that he was there, from before that when it was Rob uh, Rob Ryan. It went on to Rod Marinelli, and now it's happening with Mike Nolan. And I have not been enthusiastic. I, I'm well known for a couple things. One is hating Dallas defensive coordinators, and second is hating their linebackers. So those are kind of my things. Yo, I forgot uh, about Rob really... Ryan. I forgot about Rob Ryan. That's awesome. Yeah, it, it, Rob Ryan came in and, and it feels like we're going through deja vu because Rob yeah. Ryan came in with a 3-4 defense and everybody, all the players were complaining about how complicated it was. They had issues, 10 men on the field, 12 men on the field, all types of pre-snap penalties and just craziness and everybody said the system was too complicated. So they dumbed it down. They went to the 4-3 defense with Monty Kiffin and Rod Marinelli and everybody says that the defense was so easy for the opposing team to figure out. Now they brought in Mike Nolan and fair enough there was no offseason to implement this he tried to do another conversion where they were going to do not just a 30 front but a hybrid they were going to be 40 front on some plays 30 front on another play both at the same time on other plays so everything was pretty confusing for these guys they were making defensive ends like Demarcus Lawrence and Everson Griffin stand up rush from a two-point stance when they're used to being in the three-point stance and that's a whole different body dynamic the physical taxing that you know is on the players bodies when that change occurs it wasn't for them so they said they were going to simplify it, change a little stuff here and there this past week. It clearly didn't work because the secondary was completely lost. So not now, not only are they not getting turnovers, but they're giving up wide open big plays. Tyler Lockett was 10 yards beyond the safeties when he scored the game's first touchdown. DK Metcalf had six yards on Trevon Diggs, and the only reason that Diggs saved that play was because of his sheer hustle Mm -hmm. and DK Metcalf loafing it into the end zone when he knocked the ball through for the touchback. The Cowboys secondary is in complete disarray, and they have to figure something out or else they're going to continue to get burned throughout the season. Yeah, and we, and we knew the secondary was going to be a question mark. And, and as you say, you got the rookie digs on, on Metcalf, who's Metcalf is a beast. I don't think I realized how much of a beast he was till I watched a couple of their their games this year. He's he's a, oh, he's he's so a monster. And I think we yeah. knew the secondary was going to have some question marks. But at this point, like, how do you fix it? Like you said, Lockett was wide open all over the place. They're not doing great against the run either. Chris Carson had some wide open running lanes a few times, right, that I remember thinking back to the game. I mean, mm-hmm. how do we fix this thing? Is, is it fixable, I, I, the defense? I, I know exactly how to fix it. All right, play, you do. play GM. Here we go. KD the GM. This always here, happens. Here, here's what you do. Go. You get a time machine and <laughs> no, you go no. back to the summer. You go back to the summer of 2019 and instead of giving Jalen Smith a contract, you give it to Byron Jones because Byron Jones and Trevon Diggs, that's a secondary that I can get behind. Trevon Diggs and a poo-poo platter of, of guys like Chidobe Awuzie and Anthony Brown and Jordan Lewis and Daryl Worley. I can't get behind that secondary. We, we know it's going to be bad, plus the injuries. But the Cowboys really screwed the pooch. For some reason, they never liked Byron Jones. They drafted him in the first round. Back before they hired Chris Richard to be their secondary coach and de facto defensive coordinator, they were considering not even putting the fifth-year option on Byron Jones. That's insane. You don't put the fifth-year option on any uh, – you don't avoid the fifth-year option on anybody. That's just prudent front office GMing. Seriously. That you put the fifth-year fifth, fifth year option on somebody just to protect yourself mm-hmm. because the cost is a lot less than the extension. But they were even considering not doing that. They've never appreciated Byron Jones, even when he went to the Pro Bowl. So when 
the new regime came in, I'm sure they, they had conversations about whether or not to keep Byron Jones. I don't think the front office has ever been behind him. And I don't know what the reason is. He's an outstanding citizen. He's he's just a, a really key figure in the locker room. And they let him go. And he signed for a big deal in Miami. Now, he's been injured this year, so we haven't seen what he can do with the Miami scheme. But I would have much rather have signed him, let Jalen Smith play out his career, his, his contract with a restricted free agent tag and all that, because he would have been on the tag this year. They could have had him for like $3 million as opposed to this big contract that they've given him. And that money would have been better spent on the secondary. And if you aren't going to do that, then sign one of these guys. We know Earl Thomas, that ship has sailed. Mm -hmm. He's about to sign with the Texans. I'm good with that. There seems to be some stuff behind the scenes that hasn't come out. I've heard, you know, some things about why they're really not interested in Earl Thomas and why a lot of teams waited until this point. The Texans are the first and they're really up against it. But there's other safeties on the market. Tony Jefferson is out there. Eric Reed is out there. Demarius Randall is out there. These are guys that aren't world beaters. But Darian Thompson was at fault for two of the Tyler Lockett scot-free touchdowns. And they picked him over Ha Ha Clinton Dix, who they signed in the offseason. So imagine how bad Clinton Dix was if this is the guy that beat him out. Mm -hmm. So they, they've really screwed the pooch when it came to formulating their secondary plan this year. A lot of it has to do with, again, the transition. I've never been a fan of Mike Nolan. I, I wasn't a fan of the hire when they made him. So you you know, he's on a short leash with me. Every mistake, I think, is all his fault, and that's probably not fair. A lot of the responsibility does need to go on the players to just play better, but they have not created a good plan roster-wise or scheme-wise to be able to combat against these high-powered offenses in the NFL. And hopefully that gets worked out with more time in the system, but it has to happen soon because – football in general the nfl is a short sample size it's only 16 games so being bad for three games for four games that's a quarter of your season it's hard to come back from that it is and i, I always love it when katie hops in the time machine i gotta say that's that's always, that's always <laughs> one of my favorite segments of the uh, of the show hey the good news is we've we've harped on a lot of the bad news katie the good news is the uh, cowboys are still tied with the football team for first place in the nfc east this oh. this division my man oh my god so that's a good thing. so bad that's a good thing <laughs> Cowboys are still tied for first, and, and they got a winnable game this week against the Browns, and then the Giants coming up. They could, they could turn this thing around. Let's talk about the next opponent here coming up. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast, and I'm joined by my colleague Jeff Clark. Here's what you need to know to bet on Week 4's marquee matchup between the New England Patriots and Kansas City Chiefs. The Patriots are plus 7 underdogs, Chiefs minus 7 home favorites, over under 53.5 in this game, minus 110 on either side of that. Patriots plus 240 underdogs, money line. Jeff, how are you feeling about this game? Oh, I'm totally on the Patriots plus seven. How often do you get Bill Belichick in a major game getting seven points? That Chiefs rush defense is really weak, so Cam Newton and company is going to be able to take the air out of the ball, keep Mahomes off the field. Um, and Bill Belichick, you know, has extra time to prep. He got short rest for Kansas City. I'm all on the I'm on the Patriots plus seven. Did you watch Monday Night Football? Did you see those Kansas City Chiefs? No, they're out to prove a point. They're still the best team in football. Take them minus seven at home to New England Patriots. I don't care. The best team in football. Check out sportsbookwire.com for more with all odds from BetMGM Sportsbook. Subscribe to BetSlipping Podcast. Be sure to rate and review. 
All right, Katie, what do you think about this game? The Cowboys uh, home against the uh, Brownies. Odell Beckham is back in the Cowboys' lives. Oh, oh that, here That's we go. my biggest takeaway because people have forgotten how big that rivalry was when he was with New York. Great point. Like, everybody remembers the catch. And, and look, Brandon Carr is back with the team. So he could have a whole, a whole recap, a whole redo of that entire tremendous catch where the Giants, he caught the ball, but the Giants caught the L. I think everybody needs to remember that uh, in, uh, in Beckham's most famous catch. The Giants did lose that game. <laughs> but I look forward to seeing how the Cowboys are going to bounce back from this game. One of the things that I mentioned in the keys leading up to the contest against Seattle was they have to get off of this roller coaster of up, down, up, down. They yes. need to have a string of victories that instills confidence that Mike McCarthy, Mike Nolan, Kellen Moore is the right regime for this team. They have to do that. And now they have to start from scratch. They can't even build on the momentum of the Atlanta game because now that's wiped out. So they have to start from scratch against Cleveland. Cleveland scares me on a couple fronts. One, Nick Chubb is probably the only running back that I would put in comparison with Ezekiel Elliott as being an all-around between the tackles, catching the ball, just absolute monster. He's so good. At running back. He is so good. So good. He's going to be a big problem for them. And so is Hunt, to be honest. But, yeah. Exactly. And, and Hunt is a perfect compliment. We remember what Hunt was in Kansas City, and he's brought that with him to Cleveland. But on defense, Miles Garrett against these offensive tackles? He has like 13 sacks in his last 13 games or 14 sacks in 14 games, whatever the number is. Yeah, that's scary. He's an animal. He's an animal. And to think that he could possibly be matching up against Terrence Steele, scary. Now, Teron Smith was close to playing against Seattle. They practiced him in pregame warmups, and they just decided, let's wait another week. So I believe that he's going to be back in this game, hopefully at left tackle, which would then allow them to move Brandon Knight, who's played really well in Smith's absence on the left side, over to his natural position on the right side. That should shore up some of the protection issues on the edges to get that improvement at both of those positions. It's not Lyle Collins good, but Brandon Knight is definitely serviceable at right tackle, mm. pushing Zach Martin back inside. Then the question is, what are you doing at center and left guard? But I think the Cleveland pass rush, and, and they are probably a, not even probably, they're a better pass rush than Seattle is. So what Seattle did at the end of the game is very scary, considering how bad they are at rushing the passer. And Cleveland can do that a lot better than they can. So I don't think it's going to be the cakewalk that many Cowboys fans. These are not the same Browns. I don't have a lot of fear for Baker Mayfield's arm, but if he's as serious as he seems to be recently and about not turning the ball over, I could see them making some headway against this secondary. So it's going to be a tough game. I don't think the Cowboys have any easy games on their schedule until they work out their kinks. Well, maybe next week against the Giants. I mean, two weeks against the Giants. But we'll... I, Look, I, I'm not even going to call that one easy. I, it's, it's a rivalry game. Right. It's, it's, it's a division game. Sometimes things just happen. And the Giants offensive coordinator is Jason Garrett. If anybody knows his personnel, it's Jason yeah, Garrett. That's true. So he's going to have some wrinkles. That's he's nice... going to have some wrinkles. Do not overlook the Giants just because they suck and they do suck <laughs> they do but do not overlook them because the rivalry is there and and stranger things have happened i like that katie that was the nicest thing anyone's ever said about jason garrett in the last 10 years so that was good, that was good. <laughs> so, well, he knows the team that's he, it <laughs> he does yeah he does he knows the team he knows the team so uh are you back in the cowboys at four and a half yeah i am <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah of course i, I would put two units on the game just because I mean it still is Cleveland even though I said all of that it's still Cleveland <laughs> I, and, and I, I do I do think it's going to be a lot tougher than folks think it is but I see Dallas pulling away in the fourth quarter I think it's going to be a very good game the Cowboys are going to have their hiccups the Browns are going to be able to do a couple things but when it comes down to fourth quarter time providing that Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb are healthy and I think they will be healthy enough 
I don't know how healthy their legs are because Lamb took a fall on a punt return and Amari took a weird fall early in the game that kind of sapped him from from the game plan. Hmm. But I think as long as the Cowboys have their complement of receivers, they'll be able to pull away in the fourth quarter and, and win by seven. Let's see them get a lead and play from ahead, KD. That would be that would be it would be interesting to see how this Cowboys team looks when they're playing from ahead. We haven't really seen that foreign yet. territory. <laughs> yeah. Foreign territory. So we don't we, we don't know that there. life. <laughs> yeah, let's see if we could get there. So all right, man. Hey, hey, have a great week, man. You do the same, my man. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.